Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Carolina Weather Group. I am Scotty Powell here. We want to thank you for joining us for our continuing coverage of Hurricane Florence here throughout the uh, North and South Carolina area. We welcome you uh, all watching tonight. We ask that you share this feed out to your friends and family in your timelines that they can also get the latest information. We have the Carolinas covered for you tonight. We have Shay Gibson and Jared Smith in the Charleston, South Carolina area. We have Christopher Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina, myself here in the foothills of North Carolina. And over the next hour, we're going to be giving you live updates on uh, what we can expect for Hurricane Florence here in the Carolinas. With that, I'm going to hand it off to Jared Smith, and Jared's going to give us the very latest uh, from the National Hurricane Center. Jared? Share my screen here. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, it's been quite a day. It's been quite a long day. Uh, here's the latest from the National Hurricane Center as of the 8 o'clock intermediate advisory. Uh, Hurricane Florence, big storm, 140 mile an hour winds moving west to northwest at 17 miles an hour. It's picked up a lot of forward speed over the last day. Uh, as it's starting to get steered by that ridge that we've been talking about seemingly forever, I feel like the ridge and I have really gotten to know each other very well. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, located at 28.0 north, 67.9 west. That is roughly uh, 725 miles east southeast of Cape Fear, North Carolina, about 350 miles south southwest of Bermuda. This is not a threat to Bermuda. This is most certainly a threat to the southeast coast. Hurricane watches are up from roughly Edisto Beach up to the South Santee River. That includes the uh, Charleston metro area. Uh, inland Berkeley County, you are also under a hurricane watch. Hurricane warnings are up from the South Santee River up all the way through into the Outer Banks, um, where, <clears throat> where so a hurricane warning means that uh, hurricane conditions are expected within the next 24 hours, uh, and so that includes a lot of this uh, a lot of this cone here that we're showing here. So here's a. Uh, so here's the current position at eight o'clock. You can see the wind fields here. The winds, uh, hurricane force winds, uh, extend about 60 miles from the center. Um, tropical storm force winds up to 175 miles from the center. This is a big storm. Um, you, you measure it edge to edge from the cloud shield. It, it's around 500 miles. So, and it's and it very likely could get bigger before it makes landfall. So again, we we look at this cone, we look at this track, and we have to understand that. It's not just the center that's going to this the area where the center is going to pass is going to see effects. We're going to have effects from miles and miles and miles on end. And it's worth noting too that you know it's not really shown on this map here, but we do have storm surge watches out for the uh, Charleston coast, and we have uh, storm surge warnings up uh, again, roughly Georgetown all the way up into the Outer Banks. So. Again, next full track and forecast update comes at uh, 11 p.m. Here's a quick look at it in GR Earth. Here's the satellite. In fact, I'm going to take the Hurricane Center uh, track off. And this is just, I mean, this is a, it's, it's a monster, folks. I mean, this is a, it's, it's, it's got that, it's, it's got the look. It's uh, got a really, you know, good uh, convective structure around the eye here. A very wide eye went through an eye wall replacement earlier, and again, this is uh, this is headed west northwest, um, and then after landfall, don't really know. Uh, it gets interesting after landfall because um, we get it's going to slow down, it's going to throw on the brakes, and it could. If 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 some of you have been really freaked out about the models today, and I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't freak out about that. But it it, it very much we're back in the five day cone down here in Charleston, and uh, it's it's going to be a very very interesting scenario over the next. Uh, few days to see how this plays out so scotty thank you for that jared and we'll be uh watching for uh the next hurricane update to come out at about 11 p.m we'll definitely uh, post that to our social media sites here uh to give you the up-to-date latest i'm going to hand it off to shay gibson shay's going to give us kind of an in-depth look at 
Uh, the model runs that are uh, that's been taking place over the past couple of frames throughout the day. And Shay, uh, the big story today is we've seen a, a, a quite a shift in the model uh, data, bringing uh, more of South Carolina into uh, a, a danger zone per se, uh, with models shifting uh, far. It's possibly making landfall in South Carolina. Yeah, that's right, Scotty. We're seeing a little bit of shift. There's some agreement that there'll be a little bit more of a westerly turn today from all the major players. That includes the GFS, the UCMED, and the Euro. So we're going to see if there's, that's going to be consistent through tonight, through midnight. The uh, NHC hasn't adjusted the track too much since the 5 p.m. update. So uh, the the changes may not occur till later once they see a little bit more consistency for before making a drastic change of anything. Real quick, uh, after what Jared was talking about, this is the mimic imagery. This is microwave morphed integrated um, imagery from uh, the center of Florence. And so what we're seeing here is the, the eyewall replacement cycle that occurred earlier. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of an eyewall replacement cycle again as an outer eyewall is forming around what is not clearly a, a, a completely um, concentric band around the core of the storm. We're seeing it on the west all the way around to the eastern side of the storm. So we haven't gotten this really solid red uh, line around the, the core of the system yet. And so that's why it's holding at 140. We may see some fluctuations in that as well. Uh, going forward, we may see some intensity jump up and down, may go down to 130, back up to 140, maybe even go up to 150 as it continues to head over warmer waters. There is a little bit of upper shear ahead that may have some effect to it, but the NHC is keeping it as a category four. Looking at, um, real quick, want to mention Bill Walsh is on with us tonight. So as soon as I'm done, I want to get him on because I know he's busy and he's going to want to, uh, uh, put in his 10 cents worth to, to help us out here and, and talk about the Charleston area. The model guidance, uh, I'll go ahead and share a screen. I don't want to put too much time in deterministic models, uh, but we will go over a couple of those. And uh, what I really want to focus on is the ensembles. This is from Weather Nerds. Here is the ECMWF, the Euro Ensemble, uh, the latest one from today, and showing majority consensus of the members pushing into the coastline between South Carolina and North Carolina and then stalling out. It looks... Um, rather disorganized here. If we look further down, we see a little bit of what it's doing and it's pushing into the coast, slowing it down as it makes it into the coast and then dropping in a little bit south, a little bit west. And that is pretty unanimous with all the members there, all 51 members, some of them even further south along the offshore South Carolina coastline. Over here to the right, the GFS ensemble, uh, you can barely see it down here in the corner, but uh, nearly the same kind of concept from the six o'clock PM run. That's very disturbing because if those two are in agreement with that, then um, uh, and if we see more consistency through the midnight runs tonight, they may have to adjust the track accordingly. Uh, here's the UCMET, and we see the same kind of setup. So the same like stalling at the coastline and dropping down. When we get to the GFS deterministic, we get out here. Uh, this is by Thursday afternoon. We see a slowdown in the storm, and then it drops down the coastline. So we're not putting too much faith in that severe drop to the south at this point. But the European model is also uh, very close to that. As we go forward in time, it stalls and then brings it down the coast. So, um, you know, we have to keep in mind that uh, things will change with the track. If you look at the NAM three kilometer, we're starting to get within the 60 hour mark of this. And uh, I'll go back to zero hours and run it. Uh, we'll see this trend. We've got a second to load. Sometimes it takes this one a little bit to load here. Uh, we go forward in time. See if I can catch up to it. High resolution models are, are one hour frequency. So, uh, let's go forward in time. The NAM brings us towards the coastline. And in the last few frames here, we see it slowing down. And uh, that's another disturbing factor when the high-resolution models are starting to come in agreement with this slowdown of the coastline. So we may be concerned that this might not push in as further inland 
as we thought it would, which would be a relief for folks further inland uh, and also up into East, I'm sorry, uh, Virginia, all the way up into Northern Virginia as well. Uh, but lot to be um, lot to be concerned about with that particular track. So this run right here, I want to emphasize everybody in the hurricane watch zone, we are still in the run for this thing to possibly make a run at the coastline. Uh, it's on the lower percentile and the hurricane warnings are up from uh, basically the Santee River, the Winyah Bay area, all the way up to the North Carolina and Virginia border. So we have to keep that in mind. The hurricane warning is where areas will be um, experiencing hurricane conditions within 48 hours. And then the hurricane watch is where areas could possibly uh, encounter hurricane conditions. So uh, this, this track is, is still forecast to have high uncertainty as this storm approaches the coastline. So I encourage all of our viewers not to take everything for granted. What you see with this track down the middle is not exactly where the storm may go. You can see how it widens out here. The margin of error is approximately 110, I think about 115 miles from last NHC Burbage. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, but then it gets even wider as we get out to day four. So uh, lots to consider here with this track. Very concerning, in fact, with the models are in agreement with that kind of situation from a, a six-hour standpoint. And with that, I'll go ahead and introduce Bill Walsh here. He's with Live 5 News here in Charleston. And uh, we're going to hear his perspective on, on what he's been uh, talking about with, with the audience here in the Charleston area and what to expect in the Charleston area as well. So I'll hand it off to you, Bill. Hey there. How you doing, Jay? And uh, hi, everybody. Uh, it's great to be here. And um fantastic to talk to you guys about uh, the hurricane and and weather and stuff like that so i gotta tell you it is um it is pretty amazing so far to watch the storm and watch uh, what we're doing uh with the storm because it is i've been doing this for a long time and uh this is a very very tricky storm a lot of a lot of you folks know that and a lot of all of our car colleagues together all of us talk about these uh, models and of course all the different uh you know solutions that are coming out with this thing and today i got to tell you <laughs> it's been very interesting seeing some of these especially uh seeing the gfs come around to almost uh you know what the euro solution was and and uh watching the uh the ensembles kind of come back to the west a little bit so and i think the hurricane center is probably having a tough time uh down there just trying to uh you know look at their solutions and whatnot but um yeah bottom line this is a very tough storm i mean it looks like uh the organization's good uh, i think it looks like and i was talking to a friend of mine um on the way uh on the way i came home for supper and uh you know, it, it, there's a good chance this thing is just going to where it starts that westerly motion is going to be critical. And then, of course, when we lose the steering currents, uh, it's just going to spin around out there, slowly drifting toward the coast and uh, or and or just staying just offshore, which would even be worse uh, as far as the energy of the storm. So, I mean, you know, there's there's so many little factors in play. And, you know, we were talking about the modeling and 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 we really I mean, it's very they're, they're having a tough time with this. But I, I think I will bet you at 11 o'clock the Hurricane Center comes up and I will I'll bet you they'll take the uh, the last two points, maybe the last three points and just cluster them together uh, because, you know, they'll tend to do that if 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 they're not quite sure where, you know, what the solution is going to be. Or when you look at the, the forward motion, of the storm just kind of coming to a stop almost or just, uh, you know, you know, having so few steering currents, I'll bet we'll see a clustered you know, maybe a clustered uh, couple of days, uh, similar to what happened with Harvey. Uh, there are some similarities with Harvey. I was here, by the way, for Hugo uh, in 1989, and we had um, six feet of water in our TV station, which was by the Ben Sawyer Bridge at the time. Um, and then we had 22 feet of water in McClellanville. 
And that storm now was progressive. It came through here about 25 miles an hour, had a 19 nautical mile high or something. And, and that moved through and it was picked up eventually. Uh, uh, it worked its way around the ridge and was, was it, you know, became extra tropical, I think, up in New York State. It was, a, it was a, quite a, an inland blow as well. But the thing is, it moved. This one, and looking at, you know, even if you take the track, you know, away and you, and you just look at the storm motion, the storm motion on this is just so slow uh, on day three, four, and five, particularly day four and five. Um, you know, we're talking about a prolonged event of heavy rainfall. Uh, certainly the winds will be dying down, but uh, after doing the damage, uh, it'll be rain. You know, we're talking some of the, the modeling on the, on the rain was, was really impressive. The, uh, the precip models that I was looking at. So uh, there it is right there. Thank you. Uh, looking at like, uh, you know, we're talking 20, maybe 25 inches of rain. Uh, we had 22 with that big, you know, with, with these, what they call the, you know, the, the, what are they, the thousand year flood? Well, if that was a thousand year flood, it's only been a couple of years. So we might be seeing another sort of event like that. So, I mean, again, it is, it is, it is difficult to target and everybody wants a solution right away. Uh, everybody wants to know, you know, where's the storm going to go? What is it going to do? And, you know, this is a tough one. So uh, it's fascinating from a science point of view. It's fascinating from a tracking point of view. Uh, it is amazing to track and watch. Um, but I think we're going to be dealing with this, guys and ladies and gentlemen, for uh, the whole weekend. I, I mean, if this kind of stalls in place or, you know, or just maybe comes up and then, and then, then you know, stalls uh, or, you know, even does a bit of a loop, I mean, that, you know, you know, that could be certainly problematic as far as flooding and whatnot. So uh, we got a long way to go on this storm. So it's not going to be picked up by a trough like Matthew, which was a weakening category one when it came by here. Um, you know, we've had so many of these East Coast storms come up from the south. Long wave trough comes along, picks it up. Boom, it goes out to sea. It goes northeast. This thing is a completely different animal. Bill from uh, Scotty Powell here, from a, a communication standpoint, uh, you know, the track has, has been mostly into North Carolina, and I think a lot of folks maybe in Charleston, South Carolina in general, thought that maybe they would kind of get off uh, without much effects. But now uh, for you, how is it communicating this threat or how have you been communicating this threat that, hey, we still need to pay attention to this, even though we were seeing a more easterly, northerly jog through North Carolina until today? That's a great, great question. All right. So tonight at five o'clock when we started seeing when the 18Z GFS came back, I mean, we were just standing around saying, oh, how are we going to explain this? What are we going to say here? All right. The Hurricane Center says it's going, uh, you know, it's going to go up towards Charlotte. And now we're going to talk about, well, that might not be the case, you know, and really you have to tell people, you know, here's the hurricane for here's the, the Hurricane Center for, you know, forecast. We pretty much go with what they have, but we, we mention other solutions, other ideas, or other part, uh, other tracks that might be uh, coming uh, that you need to be prepared for. So really, our message is, hey, don't watch, don't look at that red line. The storm is fluid. It's in a fluid atmosphere. Don't, you know, don't, don't be fixated on, everybody's looking at Wilmington. I got to tell you, this happened, Scott, this happened through, during Charlie. So it, Hurricane Charlie when it rapidly intensified, it rapidly intensified in the, in, the, in, the, in the Gulf of Mexico and hit Southwest Florida. So when it came up there, the cone, um, everybody loves the cone. So the cone had Tampa on the left side at one point. It kept having Tampa way on the left side of the envelope. And then way on the right side was, I think, was, was just around Naples or Punta Gorda, Florida. 
Well, the media, of course, you know, when, when, when you're dealing with people that a lot of times they don't, they, all they do is they see Tampa. So that's a major market. That's a big market, big, big market. Everybody's saying Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. But, you know, there's a little Punta Gorda on the right side of that envelope. And where did the storm make landfall? Right there. Just crushed Punta Gorda. So, you know, people are seeing Wilmington with this one. And they're talking, oh, Wilmington is going to Wilmington. It keeps verifying. It's going to Wilmington. But, you know, if we wake up tomorrow morning, Hurricane Center says, well, maybe more Little River or maybe, you know, something like that. You know, we have to be able to communicate the message to people that, this there's nothing in stone with this and and, and it's probably going to change and same thing with irma last year when irma ended up making landfall down in the keys so that's kind of the message i think tonight uh, you know and, and everything scotty i think i think it is to tell them that look this these are the these are the options the storm has this is what we think don't be you know fixated on wilmington and and, and always have a plan ready to put into action so Bill, a question for you, uh, and this is a question I'm beginning all day. Folks to the south of the storm, what are they going to be experiencing versus the folks to the north? Of course, you know, we talk about uh, wind speeds being stronger along the northern quadrants of the storm, but are folks to the south um, better at ease, or do you think they should remain on guard and vigilant even with offshore winds? Or uh, what would a southerly track mean for the folks that are a little bit comfortable in what they're doing right now? Yeah, I, I think you have to be you have to you have to remember Matthew. You have to remember even um, a couple of storms that came by Fran and Bonnie uh, of the '90s. So you know, typically your wind distribution, your energy is north and east of the center. Um, but you can have you can have sometimes, especially on these these uh, stronger storms. Uh, if you although Matthew was weakening, I mean, if you'll remember as as um, as Matthew went by us. Uh, we started to we started to we we got quite a wallop on the western edge or southwestern edge uh, with some of those rain bands that were coming around. Uh, so uh, they can still carry quite a punch. Maybe not go out as far from the center. Uh, that was a decaying storm, and this one probably will be weakening a bit as it approaches the coast, but still be a quite a you know it will still be pretty good structured storm. So, uh, bottom line is you know you got to say look, you know yes the northeast quadrant of the storm's the worst, but you can still see. Uh, significant weather, you know, uh, with 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 wind gusts uh, in, in particular, and 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 very very torrential rain on the western and southwestern side. It may not go out as far, but you you know, I think people in South Carolina or South you know Southern South Carolina have to just kind of be ready to to deal with this as well. And Scotty, did you have anything else for Bill? I was going to maybe talk about another subject. I wanted to, anybody else to chime in, maybe Chris or Jared. No, no, go ahead, Shay. I know. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Shay. I know we want to, Bill's probably got to get back to the station soon, so go ahead. Yeah, I was, it, that's right. I mean, Bill, you're welcome to stay on as long as you want with us, uh, but I don't want to keep you too long. Any final messages for our viewers and yours alike? Well, no, I mean, I, I think uh, you guys are doing a great job, um, and, and I'm always glad to jump on here. Um, I, I actually came home for supper and knowing that the next few days is, uh, is always up in the air. I, you know, we, 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 uh, pretty much work 12 hours, 12 on 12 off, but when the, when the action starts, uh, we're all there typically. So, uh, we just sleep there and then we'll get up. And then, so, you know, um, I, bottom line is I just think it's, 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 it's one to watch. Um, it's going to be really fascinating from a weather point of view to, to watch this. I just hope that we don't, you know, 
you know, have a, a Hugo type of uh, damage from this kind of storm because a lot more people have moved to the beach uh, since 1989. It's been a long time. Um, I mean, I remember walking the Isle of Palms, um, helping to pick up uh, pieces of, you know, friends' houses and stuff, uh, you know, and that was a, a nasty storm. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> whoever gets a storm, it's going to be pretty nasty. Uh, but from a, a weather point of view, you know, we just have to keep tracking it, give our best guess, you know, work with our partners at the Weather Service, with you guys and other partners, and uh, just give the public the best information they have to take action. And then, the, you know, the after storm, of, you know, whatever happens after the storm, we have to cover as well. On the media side, you know, we cover right up to it. That's ours. That's, uh, and, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. And once the storm is gone and over, you know, that in some ways is a beginning process for the for, for media because they have to continue to cover the cleanup sometimes up to, you know, stories that last up to a year. I mean, that's, you know, we talked about Hugo for years and years after, as far as, you know, especially for the first 12 months as things got back together and stuff like that. So uh, we'll, we'll just have to see, but uh, again, we, we always appreciate, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I love your Twitter handles. I love watching what you guys are saying and doing and talking. I think the people, at home really appreciate that because you know the, the more opinion sometimes the better uh especially when somebody may see something and you know it's like when you're tracking a you know tornadic cell or something you know we're chatting with the weather service say hey did you see this on that scan or did you see that um you know sometimes you <clears throat> you're looking at so much data you might miss something and it's good to to you know to, to have everybody kind of watching and and looking at it so more eyes are better sometimes but hey i really appreciate it great to be on here and uh we'll uh we'll all work this together thank you thank you very much phil much appreciate you coming on tonight and like i said you're welcome to stick around and uh hang out with us if you, if you have the time if not totally understand uh he did bring up a good point about tornadoes and tor tornadic activity goes hand in hand with tropical systems as they make landfalls so we have to be uh, on, on the lookout for those as well. A lot of times we get these mesocyclonic events that happen very quickly and uh, we get radar indicated rotations, lots of them. And then by the time they report these, uh, these rotations and get the warnings out for possible or tornado warnings, um, they're already over with. So we saw that with Hugo where tornadoes carved tracks through, through forests. And by the time, uh, you know, it, like maybe a mile, two miles long. So those are very fast events that occur. Uh, so be, be mindful of that if you live in areas where uh, you have weak structured homes that couldn't withstand tornadic activity embedded within rainfall. Even into the south end, the south side of the hurricane, uh, you could experience downsloping winds with shear, which would cause rotations and tornadic activity as well. So we have to be very vigilant about that. And I'm going to pass it back to you, Scotty. Great to have Bill on with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, we thank Bill for that, uh, Shay, and, and definitely so. Uh, we'll talk about uh, individual areas here in just a second. We're going to kind of recap here. Uh, it's about 923, um, over a 1,000-some people watching right now. We know we see your questions. Uh, one in specifics about uh, your area, and we'll get there, I promise. Uh, we also want to thank uh, the um, Mother Nature Network for uh, live streaming and rebroadcasting uh, this uh, this uh, video tonight, so we appreciate those folks. And I want to hand it to Chris Jackson now. Chris is going to kind of give us some of the uh, up-to-date latest news uh, with the watches and warnings. And then we're also, uh, Chris, uh, you guys in South Carolina have uh, conducted or are still conducting a, uh, an area-wide evacuation for uh, the entire coastline of South Carolina. So uh, maybe you can touch on that as well. 
Absolutely, Scotty. Uh, glad to be here tonight. Uh, so yeah, Governor McMaster, of course, uh, issued evacuation order for all coastal zones in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, that was for uh, Ori, Georgetown, Charleston, Berkeley, and Dorchester counties, and also Edisto Beach. And, uh, you know, when he first issued that evacuation order it was for the entire coastline. And since then has uh, allowed Beaufort, uh, Colladin, and Jasper counties, uh, their evacuation order to expire. And uh, uh, basically, you know, people don't need to evacuate uh, and with the exception being at Stowe Beach. And I know uh, this morning they started lane reversals on the I-26 uh, coming uh, from Charleston back up here to Columbia. And I really haven't heard too much. I know I've seen a lot of pictures and a lot of vi uh, video from you know, social media today that does show, you know, a lot of traffic. But, uh, you know, as far as a wide scale state event, I'm not really sure how that's going statewide. But uh, uh Anytime you've got you know, a mass exodus of people leaving an area, uh, you can expect some you know, pretty serious traffic delays. And uh, with that being said, I, you know, I've seen a lot on social media of uh, you know, people that's uh, been a little bit hesitant to evacuate because of you know, their thoughts of not being in the cone. And you know, to those folks, I, ju I just want to say that you know, just because you're not in the cone doesn't mean you're not going to see impacts from this storm. It's, it, it's a big storm. It's huge. And uh, I'm gonna share my screen here. I actually made this little uh, graphic up while I go get here. All right, so we take the National Weather Service's uh, latest 8 p.m. advisory. And what I did was I isolated the wind fields, meaning I took the tropical storm and hurricane force winds. And without you know, altering it in any way, I basically put it right over the landfall point according to the NHC track. And there you can see how big this wind field is and it's expected to grow. Then I just move around a little bit, show everyone how big this wind field really is. And so if you put the center of the storm somewhere near Columbia, uh, you have a wind field that covers the entire state, uh, a good portion of North Carolina, some of Georgia. And again, along the coast, uh, much of the same. So it, it just goes to show that even though you may not be in the cone, uh, that doesn't mean that you won't be seeing any effects or, you know, you should downplay it in any way, shape, or form. You know, if you if you're along the coast, I I, I beg you to evacuate, please. And Chris, you're you're talking about those evacuations, and I see some folks in here saying, "Well, I'm not evacuating for 40 to 50, 60 mile per hour wind." You're not really evacuating for the wind. It's the storm surge is what you're evacuating for, especially if you live right there on the immediate coast. Uh, you run for water, run from water, and you shelter from the wind. Uh, so yes, the wind there in the immediate coast, if the Iowa comes over you is going to be extreme. You know, we could see 125, 30 mile per hour wind. But the main concern for the entire coastline of North and South Carolina is the storm surge. So uh, that is what you're evacuating from is you want to run from the water. Water, uh, as we know, is one of the, uh, the biggest killers in uh, weather, you know, either flash flooding, storm surge, things like that. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a little bit. I do want to, uh, while we're talking about evacuations, is talk about the ones in North Carolina. Shay, if you'll look in our internal chat here, I've uh, dropped a link there that we can kind of screen share and talk about uh, what's going on in North Carolina. So this is the uh, North Carolina evacuations. If you'll scroll down, uh, there we go. So um, here it is, all mandatory evacuations. The first time uh, in the history of the state of North Carolina, there is a mandatory state evacuation of all barrier islands along the North Carolina coast. So if you're talking about Holden Beach, you're talking about uh, Wright School Beach, 
you're talking about Topsail Island, North Topsail Island, places like that is a mandatory evacuation up into uh, the Outer Banks. If uh, you live on a barrier island or if you are on a barrier island, maybe you're vacationing, it is a mandatory evacuation for you to leave. There's also voluntary evacuations for other uh, counties along uh, the North Carolina coast. Those are the red counties there. And also the green counties, I believe there's also some um, voluntary evacuations as well. You can go to this website. It's the North Carolina Emergency Management website. Uh, you can Google uh, North Carolina evacuations. It's an interactive map. You click on the county and it'll tell you what kind of evacuations are ongoing with, um, with that particular county. So again, all barrier islands in the state of North Carolina, it's a mandatory evacuation. That was ordered today. I think it was around 1230 when Governor Roy Cooper um, had his press conference. So now we want to get in. I know you have a lot of questions. Uh, we want to talk about individual areas. Uh, and I'm going to first uh, send it to Jared, uh, who can talk about the Charleston um, Paul, uh, Charleston area, maybe even down to Hilton Head, Jared, there's some speculation. We could mm -hmm. see some, some storm and then Shay, I'll let you kind of take the North Carolina coast if you don't mind. All right. Sounds good, Scotty. So, uh, Charleston, yeah, I, I think the thing that, the thing that like, uh, we talked about earlier with Bill is that, um, yeah, we know less than we, we know less today than we did yesterday. And, and, and I don't say that to scare anybody. I don't say that, but to freak anybody out, but that's just the, 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 preponderance of the evidence um you know we do have a national hurricane center track that is still pretty consistent it's pretty consistent for th through the first couple days takes a storm into wilmington um you know with a you know with your traditional you know cone of uncertainty there you know stretching from roughly georgetown to you know outer banks maybe around hatteras and <clears throat> what we've seen today in the models is a suggestion that and, and, and keep in mind, I don't, it's not just been today. You know, there's been, there's always been some members of the models that are, that have been kind of eyeing the central South Carolina coast. And the weather service in Charleston has done a very good job of making sure that everybody understands that it's not just um, that one, it's not just a center track, but two, we're not out of the woods. We're not out of the woods until this thing gains latitude. And in fact, we might not be out of the woods if it, <laughs> because it might push south. Um, you know, as Shay showed you with the models earlier, it's it, uh, there's surprising agreement in this. And so, um, so right now, Charleston, you're under a hurricane watch and you're under a storm surge watch. And what does that mean? That means hurricane conditions are possible within the next 48 hours. Um, this could be upgraded tomorrow. I, I would expect some. I would expect some sort of upgrade to a warning tomorrow, um, and and so that should be your cue. Just and and that should be your cue alone to you know get your preparations done. You're going to have about you have about one really good day of weather left to get your preparations done, and um, and 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 that's it. You know. So we're going to look at. I'm taking a look at a. a Chris's screen share here. And, and, and I think that this is, you know, again, this is the key part of the discussion that is super, super, super important. And I'm going to read it out to you guys. The steering flow almost completely diminishes by Thursday night after which a wide range of possibilities exists. We don't like a wide range of possibilities in meteorology. We, we, we want our models to be cheat sheets. Okay. But a wide range of possibilities. The model solutions in the last 12 hours have changed considerably beyond 60 to 72 hours, resulting in relatively low confidence in the current forecast. At this juncture, it is imperative that everyone in Southeast uh, South Carolina and Georgia continue to closely monitor the latest forecast information. I believe, yeah, this is from the latest uh, AFD from the National Weather Service in Charleston. So again, um, what I need people to understand is that you should still be preparing for a major hurricane strike. Category three, probably, you know, uh, 
could be four. We don't know, you know. And so you you should you should take that and 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 use that as a as an impetus to get ready. Um, fight uncertainty with preparedness, and 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 that would be and that's the best way to uh, go about making yourself safe. Now, um, evacuations have gone pretty smoothly so far. I've seen a lot of people around today. So again, you know, you have time, but you have about twenty four hours or so. You got about one good day of weather left to finish your preparations and get on get a move on because. Uh, you do not want to be caught um, in the storm here. So anyway, Scotty, that's going to do it for Charleston. Yeah, interesting point there, Jared. Um, now they're bringing Georgia into this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could go all the way down. So, so I mean, you look at some of these model runs and they're not, you know, and, and suddenly Hilton Head, Savannah, you're back, in, you're back in the thick of this. Maybe not for a landfall, but certainly for effects. Um, I think somebody somebody commented that the uh, the 12-year euro was like, uh, oh, Henry McMaster, he canceled the evacuation for Beaufort County. Here, hold my beer. Uh, I think that was the that was the quote. And it's like, uh, it's just that I think that's just been a microcosm of the whole story with Florence. It is, uh, it, it, it's it's somewhat unprecedented in the way that it has evolved here. It's it's been quite an extraordinary storm. All right. Thank you for that, Jared. Uh, we'll quickly toss up the Shay. He's going to talk about the North Carolina coast, and then we're going to bring in uh, Brad Panovich, chief meteorologist at WCNC NBC Charlotte. And uh, we'll have Brad kind of talk about what his thinking is on the storm and maybe some inland packs around uh, the Piedmont and western portions of North Carolina. So go ahead, Shay. All right, Scotty. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, for North Carolina, uh, again, I'm going to show this, this graphic, the storm surge watch and warning graphic. I uh, see majority of North Carolina all the way up to looks like it may be Duck or Corolla, North Carolina uh, for the warning and pushing inland all the way up the Noose Rivers and, and these river estuaries all the way inland. This is a broad coastal plain up this way. Lots to talk about with this because these areas are going to be heavily inundated with water as the storm surge. No matter which way the storm goes, if it goes even to the west, the storm surge is still going to be firing off the northern and northeastern quadrant of the storm and wrapping into the coastline. So that's going to be a large portion of it. Here's the storm inundation map. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to zoom in to this area of North Carolina right now. Uh, the map layer, this is inundation with intertidal layer. So this is including the tides. And a lot of these folks here, especially upriver, are looking at nine feet plus for the surge for this system. And that means that the water is going to be pushed up into these rivers, has nowhere to go. So this is going to be a major flood zone. You're talking nine feet above ground level. This is a significant for this kind of a surge for this area. Uh, if we go with inundation layer only, even higher numbers, we're looking at greater than six feet for a lot of these folks just inside the Pemlico Sound and up to the Noose Rivers and, and other rivers up this way. So um, there's, there's a lot going on here. Eastern North Carolina is setting up for a major rainfall flooding event, not only from the rainfall, but from the storm surge and from river swelling as well. Take another look at the uh, WPC QPF, and we can actually get a better look at this for the hurricane National Hurricane Center and um, zooming in on this. And we're talking at this point for Southeast North Carolina, pushing all the way up into portions of Eastern North Carolina and into portions of Virginia. We're looking at feet of rain at this point, not so much inches. Uh, we're talking two feet plus. I think these numbers are gonna come up even more than this. Some of the models are hinting at that. It's a very big concern because uh, the, the amounts two days ago were significantly lower, now they're coming up. Uh, and the storm slowing down certainly doesn't help anything. In fact, that's gonna add a lot more rain to it. So uh, that's for North Carolina as far as the storm surge and the rainfall. Here's our storm track viewer data scope from Weatherflow. 
And uh, the storm track shows as a category four making landfall, possibly a three. We may get a little bit of cool water upwelling along the shelf waters here ahead of the storm. Sometimes you get a little bit of cooling that helps to uh, sort of weaken the storm a little bit, even though we saw it feed off the Gulf Stream. We saw Hugo feed off the Gulf Stream in 1989. Uh, we still have yet to see what happens there, but the winds are definitely going to be coming up. Here's Avon Sound. I'm going to run some of the models here. And we see winds significantly coming up with the CMC bringing it up to 60 miles per hour plus. So these models are a little bit low on their thinking. If we go a little bit closer to the storm, let me pick a point a little bit closer. We'll go to Cape Lookout. And let me run some of the models for this one. And we're going to see wind speeds from the WaveWatch 3 GFS. Some of these coming a little bit closer, upwards of 70, 80 miles per hour, maybe even topping up towards 90 miles per hour. A couple of models I saw earlier were presenting near 100 to 105 for some of these areas closer to the system. So we're going to be watching our, our coastal mesonet very closely as well for North Carolina, watching the winds. The wind forecast, the only thing I could really say was hurricane force because we're just not entirely sure exactly where this is going to make landfall and then exactly what the wind field is going to be like closer to the core. Uh, I hope we have enough surface observations where the core is so we can get a better idea at the surface at about 10 meters. Of course, we'll be getting hurricane hunters going in with drop sons and getting all kinds of data as well. And there's, there's a lot of help going into the modeling right now, um, which may be why they're in so much agreement because we have weather balloons going up in three every three hours from some weather services four times a day at others. We also have um, oceanic, uh, what are they called? Um, I forget what they're called. Sakura's launching them and they're going out, they're remote control and they go out into the waters and they go and they feed information in out ahead of the storm. But the National Hurricane Center, uh, the NOAA hunters, the hurricane hunters are also dropping signs into the water to get data. So there's an immense amount of data going into the modeling now from our own work being put into it. And with that, I'll pass it back to you, Scotty. We'll, we'll bring uh, bad Pan I'm sorry, Brad Panovich into the picture. Thank you, Shay, for that. And, and so we've, we've kind of talked about the coastal impacts. We know there's definitely going to be uh, some impacts uh, from Florence there. It kind of gets a little bit iffy now as we move inland. So I'm going to bring in uh, Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich with WCNC in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Brad, I know uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of making our head scratch on what to expect once we get into the inland parts of the Carolinas. Yeah, it, it is, Scotty. I mean, you know, tonight's guidance, as you guys were alluding to, is doesn't really help matters. It's kind of fascinating to me that there's so much agreement up to the coast. <laughs> and then from there, it's like mass chaos. It's like everything just goes crazy. Um, but I, I think when I see the models do crazy stuff like this sometimes, I think we read too much into it, like loops and all these weird shapes. It, the models are really telling us that they that the the, the steering currents are going to fall apart, and that's what that weirdness to the model is. Um, it's not that the that the models don't know what's going on, or there's a lot of uncertainty. It just means that the steering currents go weak, and you know, just like any ship, a listless ship, if you put it into a current that's strong and flowing in one direction, it's easy to kind of forecast where it's going to go. But then when that current stops and it goes into a pool where there's nothing moving, it's just drifting. It just, it randomly drifts. So I think that's the concern I have is, you know, where does it drift? And I think for the Western Carolinas, the one thing I'm pretty confident in is I don't think it's going to be a big wind event. Um, this isn't going to be like a Hugo where it comes barreling in at 40 miles an hour and transfers all of that strong wind um, all the way inland. I think because it stalls, it actually, the, you know, the, the wind field is going to break down pretty quickly. It will spread out, but the stronger winds are going to go down pretty quickly. The concern is, you know, the rain the, and, and in the mountains, as you know, Scotty, any kind of upslope flow into the higher elevations 
is just going to make for a horrible setup. So if it continues this southerly track, if it goes into South Carolina, even south of Charlotte, boy, that's bad news because that easterly fetch coming off the Atlantic with all that tropical moisture could mean a big flash flood threat. And we just had one in the spring with landslides and debris flows um, all over Western North Carolina. And I don't want to see another setup like that, but that's the one thing that I fear happening. The other thing I worry about is on Friday when it makes, if it tries to make landfall, I shouldn't say makes landfall because we don't know if it'll make it all the way in. Um, not much is going to be happening in Charlotte in the Western Carolinas. It'll be kind of weird. We're gonna, we're gonna, all this news is going to be what's going on the coast. And people in my area in the Western Carolinas are going to go, oh, it, it missed us. Nothing's going on. And then Saturday will come and then Sunday will come. And then the worst weather is two, three days after the storm initially makes contact with the coast. So I really want people in the Western Carolinas not to let their guard down because we don't know exactly what's going to happen after landfall. And it's going to be a delayed impact. It will likely be a day or two after the first you know, impacts are felt on the coast. That, that's true, Brad. And like you were talking about, uh, much of Western North Carolina has had just um, major rainfall events all throughout the spring. And even the summertime, it's been pretty wet around the area. So uh, flooding is, is a major concern. So uh, for the communication standpoint, with, with the variabilities in, in the, uh, the models and how are you communicating to your folks on social media and on TV? How are you telling them they need to be prepared for this? For me, um, I'm having most people prepare like they would. It sounds weird, almost like for like a winter storm <laughs> um, where, you know, you might be stuck at home for a couple days. There might be power outages, um, but you don't need to evacuate. I think I don't know if you've heard people, Scotty, from our area actually asking if they should leave. And I'm like, why would you leave Charlotte or Monroe or Catawba County? Where I mean, where are you going to go? That's, you know, are you going to get, are you running from the wind or the rain? I don't, I don't really understand. So the way I, it's a, it's a, it's a shelter mentality here. You really need to be able to stay in your house in a sheltered location at high, obviously if you're in a flood prone area, a floodplain or an area of floods, you need to head to higher ground, but most of us are going to be okay in our house, but we might be there a while. So you need to prepare for being at home, um, maybe without power for a day or two and you're being stuck because of trees or, um, you know, water in the roadways where you can't get out. So if you're going to get supplies, I don't think, I think drinking water is, is um, the bottled water thing is weird in our area because uh, we're, we're probably not going to have issues with drinking water. And even if we did, uh, you, your water's, if your water's fine right now, there's nothing that stops you from filling up stuff in your house and storing it. Um, even plastic bags, you get a Ziploc bag, fill up with water and throw it in the freezer and let it freeze. Then you got ice and when it melts, you got water to drink. So um, if you're worried about water, don't go to the store and buy it. Just store it at home, get containers and store it at home. And then maybe get some extra food for a long weekend where you might not be able to get out. And then we live in such a digital age. I think uh, more and more people rely on their, their devices so much. Uh, the lack of cell coverage or internet or power might have a bigger impact on people having to talk to one another <laughs> and not actually be on their phone. Um, which might be a pleasant surprise. But yeah, if, if you're worried about that stuff, getting information, you need to charge all your devices um, and make sure you have battery backups for everything. That's what I would tell people to do. Well, one thing, Brad, I was able to watch you uh, during the six o'clock news and, and catch the forecast, uh, the tornado threat. You know, normally yeah. with landfall and tropical systems, there's always that, that tornado threat. And I know you kind of brought that up. It's really track dependent once you get inland in, in North and South Carolina. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're just on the east side, and, and we've seen it, even weak little circulations left from a tropical system that is not, and sometimes it's just a remnant low. Um, it creates such localized helicity that if there's breaks in the clouds and we get some sun anywhere on the east, or in this case, the north side, because the storm's going to be moving west, um, would have the potential for spin-up tornadoes. And then you get the, the interaction with the mountains on the east side, there's going to be some in enhanced uh, um, helicity with there. And then you're reducing the what we call the LCL. It's basically something to do vorticity stretching, but um, that's just weather talk for when storms go into the mountains, sometimes they spin up tornadoes. Um, so we've got to watch for that as well. If the storm especially tracks down into South Carolina, then that would put all of North Carolina, Charlotte, and the foothills and the mountains would be um, in an area where we could have enhanced tornado risk. And Brad, I know you guys locally at the station, um, it's, it's kind of uh, not a wall-to-wall -wall coverage, but you guys are there pretty much uh, for the duration of the event. So kind of tell, tell us, uh, you know, what's your schedule like for the next few days? Well, today was crazy and it was only Tuesday. <laughs> Yesterday, I actually participated in, believe it or not, with the uh, uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg Emergency Management Office. I was in a, um, at the EOC <laughs> taking part in a hurricane exercise. <laughs> that was set up weeks ago before the system even took, uh, took shape. So we were actually doing a dry run on a mythical hurricane hitting Charlotte. And lo and behold, we have to actually come up with the same thing. So that's been my day yesterday. Today was just, it's a lot of meetings. I think one thing people forget about uh, seeing us on TV, we have a physical building and people that work at the station that are concerned that we have to take precautions for. We've got to secure our building. We've got to make sure our supplies then our, our fellow coworkers are okay. So we've got a plan for that on just a logistical level. So I've been in meetings with my higher ups and even my corporate um, people about, you know, where are we gonna go? Are our crews gonna be safe? How are we gonna cover this and also take care of our families and make sure we all are fed? And I mean, that's a lot of things that go in just like any other business or homeowner, we have the same type of issue. So we have a backup facility over at PBS here in town in case this station should have some kind of damage catastrophic we don't think it's going to happen because we're not in a floodplain we've it's never going to flood here but if a tree fell on our transmitter here or something and we had to move we've got a backup facility and there will be somebody over there um just in case that happens so i've been in a lot of meetings of that um doing a lot of radio interviews um trying to build graphics uh trying to be a dad um it's uh it's been a, a crazy crazy week and here the storm is still a couple days away so um, I try to pace myself, but it's really, really hard in these situations because um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We could still be doing the same thing next Sunday and Monday, uh, or I mean, you know, next week talking about the storm. So um, I got to pace myself and make sure I get some sleep and I'm getting some exercise and that kind of stuff. So got to look out for yourself a little bit in this situation um, as we get ready. But it's they're long days. I'm not going to lie. But this is when you're here for people. This is the reason I do the job I do. The reason you guys do the job that you do is, um, let's face it, sunny and 80 is the easy part. This is where the money's made and where it's hard. You got to be there for people and make sure they're safe. And so I, I really applaud all the meteorologists out there in the southeast that are doing yeoman's work to make sure people are prepared for the storm. I couldn't say it any better, though. We uh, echo those sentiments. Uh, Chris, I think you had a question. I'll let you go ahead. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Brad. I got one quick question. Uh, up and around the Charlotte area, do you know of any of the uh, uh, you know uh, local utility managers or, or uh, people that have uh, reservoirs dropping their water levels right now? 
That's a good question. I actually checked on uh, Monday. No, actually Sunday night I started checking. And Duke was uh, did have water releases scheduled in all their dams. So it looked like they were moving water. I don't know if all of them actually went through. But um, one of the things in our area, it's been pretty dry, especially in the Piedmont. Um, so moving water down from the mountains and foothills into the Piedmont was probably a pretty good idea um, to get ready for a possible tropical system. So I think they tried to lower a couple of the lakes by about a foot um, to get, give some capacity for that. So I know that was at least going on Sunday. I don't know if they're still doing it today. Um, it's a long process because of the number of lakes it takes to move the water. Um, but I know that was going on on Sunday. Oh, sure. Sure. And, uh, the, re the reason I asked that I just, you know, I, I got a notification from uh, SCNG, the local electric provider for, and you know, they run Lake Murray and they're actually doing a water release right now. It started about three hours ago and wow. they're releasing almost 14,000 CFS, which is, you know, about five, a uh, little over five million gallons of water a minute, and uh, it on their website it says that they're they're planning to continue this release and until further notice. Wow, that's pretty impressive for Lake Murray too to be releasing that much water. Well, I think their powerhouse is only capable of uh, eighteen or nineteen thousand cfs from their turbines. Man, yeah, because I could see them getting a lot of water in that lake, especially if it does get get into Western North Carolina, um, and that's the thing. I mean. We talk about just the water releases around here sometimes raise the water levels on Mountain Island Lake and um, areas between Lake Wiley and Lake Norman. Sometimes on Riverside Drive, we get some some flooding in that area, even from the releases. So there's always a little, little people get a little worried when those releases are going. I'm checking the website right now for the lakes up here, and it looks like um, most of the Oxford Dam did do a release this morning from 12 a.m., and they're releasing all the way till midnight tonight. And it looks like there's another one scheduled to tomorrow so lake wiley the same thing um so yeah they're definitely it looks like they're moving water all the way down to lake watery so that's uh they're definitely planning ahead which is good news absolutely because I, I know and you know the flooding event of 2015 down here in columbia uh, we had oh. so many of the local you know local dams and, and small ponds and stuff like that you know dams to had total failures so it, it's good to see a little bit of proactiveness going on with the threat that's in our face yeah, it it never hurts. I mean, um, and I'm I'm looking at the the zero Z stuff tonight, and I'm like, oh, this. The weird thing is, it's like you know, if this thing hugs the coast, which would be just insane, if that thing goes down to Georgia, I would be, I'm I'm just gonna see a lot of people be mad, saying, where's this storm you guys talked about, um, up here. But if it goes into the the central, the Midlands of South Carolina, man, that would be bad news for us up here. We would definitely have a huge flood threat and definitely a huge tornado threat if that happened. That sort of um, brings in, let me share a screen. This, this tweet today from Melissa Griffin, she's a climatologist, sheds a lot of light on this particular topic. And Brad, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the watershed effect, how we get water upstate, even into North Carolina that precipitates downstream into South Carolina to some of the major river tributaries. But uh, what uh, what kind of advice would you give if this storm does push further west and drops more rain through central North Carolina into the western zones? Well, the, and this is the thing. If you live on uh, any of those river basins, um, this it's that delayed impact that you're going to have to worry about because a lot of this will fall this weekend. We'll have two flood threats. We'll have a flash flood and area flood threat when the rain is falling intensely over a couple hours. And then it'll transition to this the river basin flooding which could linger into next week, late next week. So um, one of the things I was trying to do today was try to look up, we have pretty good flood mapping in Mecklenburg County. 
but um, the state of North Carolina has a pretty good flood mapping site as well by counties. It's always a good idea to go look at the floodplain and see where you are in relation um, to that floodplain and whether or not you, you might need to go um, to higher ground or think about um, sandbagging. But um, that's a good thing to check. And also check your insurance policies. Um, one thing we run into a lot around here is um, you might have damage for wind uh, if a tree falls in your house, but then if the rain falls through the hole that the tree made, <laughs> the water damage won't be covered. Um, so there's, there's some weird things in the policy that you might want to check if you live in the western part of the state um, that, you know, you know, some things are covered that aren't covered. You might think you're covered for all events. Um, some flooding um, is not covered if it's a certain type of flooding. So, um, you know, flood. we had one policy. I remember one of our investigative reporters did. It was it's really bizarre. Like, they were covered for like pipes breaking and flooding, but they weren't from flooding coming up through the foundation. It was really weird. It was a very weirdly written policy. So um, I would tell people to check those policies and make sure you know, maybe put them in a, in a, in a weatherproof bag um, or have some kind of digital version of it. So if there is damage, you have it ready to go and take pictures of your property beforehand. Um, this is what the house looked like. This is what the property looked like before the storm hit. So you have a reference point for filing these claims and your car. I mean, um, don't, I mean, it sounds silly, but don't park your car in a low spot, <laughs> get your car to a spot where it's not going to flood. We even talked about that at our station meeting today, but like, it seems like common sense, but don't park next to the storm drain. Don't park in the low culvert area, park it. If you have to park it up on the grass or on a berm to get it up, you might want to do that to protect the car. Cause a lot of us like here at the station, we'll park our car and probably leave it there for a day and a half. Cause we'll be in the station sleeping and doing everything else. And we'll like, go out and our car's got water in it. So um, we just got to be really careful with our vehicles as well. It's all good information, Brad. I know you've got to uh, to get back there and get ready for the 11 p.m. Uh, show. Uh, one last question, maybe yep. kind of to, to sum up what you're expecting uh, for your forecast area, your viewing area um, as of right now. I'm expecting anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's like I, I, it's like these events like this, you're like, man, well, I wish I could be forecasting snow like right now because at least it'd be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question, Brad. I was wondering myself, would I rather be forecasting a winter weather event or this? It seems like winter weather would be a little bit easier to hit. <laughs> the consequences from the winter event aren't as bad as they are for this. That's, I'll tell you the one, my one lesson in my career, um, having loved weather since I was six, was I always loved bad weather. And I, I did. I, 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 I'm passionate about it. I get secretly excited for bad weather. I don't want anyone to get hurt. But after Hurricane Katrina and after going through that and seeing my coworkers impacted, it really changed my outlook a lot about tropical systems and flooding. And um, it really struck home to me how serious these are. When it personally affects you, then you kind of look at these systems a little bit different. Um, where, you know, I, I had this saying for a long time, I, I see too many young people that are enthusiastic about weather root for storms. And I always say root for people, not for storms. Um, so you should want this thing to miss us. Um, I, I want to blow this forecast. So nothing happens here. <laughs> um, not that I want to be wrong, but I would hope I would rather people be safe. So I, my concern and the thing I'm thinking about tonight um, in forecasting this is I would rather forecast snow because it's a, it's a lot easier to deal with and there's not as much property and lives at stake is this one is just not to be caught off guard. I think we focus too much on line tracks and where the storm is going. And when we realize the impacts are gonna be a huge area of the Carolinas will be impacted. Um, I, thought, I, I thought I heard it today from one of the press conferences. Someone said, every 
Carolinian was going to be impacted by the storm in some way or another, some more than others, but everybody was going to be impacted. And I thought that was a great statement because it's very true on a scale from one to 10. Some of us are going to be closer to the one, some of us are going to be 10, but none of us are going to be zero. So um, I think it's really important that everyone realizes to be ready no matter where you live, even if you're not at the coast. All right. Well, thank you, Brad. Uh, you can stick around if you want, but I know you've uh, got things to do, but we really appreciate you taking a little bit of the time out to, uh, to join us tonight. Hey, hey no Scotty, I got, I got one more quick yep. one for Brad if he's got one sure. second. But uh, I just wanted to let you know, Brad, that I actually just got a, a, a viewer message to my Facebook page and uh, uh, they work with uh, Duke Energy and they're going to get me a, a, a press release of all their uh, planned upcoming releases from their reservoirs. So I'll pass that along once I get it. That's awesome. Great. Yeah, I'm glad to see. I mean, and the one thing about Duke Power, they've got staff of meteorologists up here in Charlotte. Um, they're really good meteorologists and they're, they're usually on the ball with that stuff. They do a great job um, getting prepared for the storm. They obviously have a lot of infrastructure that they're worried about. So they are really on top of this stuff. Right. And that'd be great for the folks that live downstream, you know, these yep. reservoirs. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Thanks, guys. Yes, thank you, Brad. We appreciate it. Uh, so uh, that was kind of the, the latest on what to expect uh, in the inlands areas of, of North Carolina. Uh, we've covered coastal South Carolina, coastal uh, North, North Carolina. Uh, Chris, we've been having a lot of questions about the Columbia area and maybe the upstate of South Carolina. I know you're not going to be there because uh, we've, we're sending you out to, to be in the middle of this thing, but uh, kind of, can you kind of give us an idea of what you are expecting right now? Maybe Columbia, Greenville, Spartanburg, areas like that. And, and that's a great uh, question, Scotty. I'm glad you brought me in for that. You know, I've, I've been getting, oh my gosh, dozens upon dozens of messages from folks, you know, just you know, I understand the concern and you know, really want to know what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And I think as we have alluded to for the entire uh, duration of this show, at, it's still uncertain. The confidence is low in any forecast. And and me personally, I would rather tell people to prepare, you know, for a significant rainfall and and, and significant winds. If you live within the coast and if you live inland, uh, like Brad said, uh, you know, depending on where the storm goes, where it sets up, uh, you you can experience a, a lot of rain, a lot of widespread flooding, a lot of river flooding, flash flooding, uh, all of the above. A until the confidence is greater in the track. You know, I, I think discussing uh, specifics for locations is, is maybe a little too soon and it, it wouldn't be accurate. Uh, sorry, I didn't unmute myself. I've been doing this five years and I forgot to unmute <laughs> myself. Uh, I, I agree. We've, I've been looking at your questions. Uh, what's it going to do in the Midlands? What's it going to do in Western North Carolina, the Raleigh area? Uh, you know, as Brad, we asked Brad. Brad didn't really, you know, he said there's a lot of variabilities. Chris just said a lot of variabilities. What we do know right now is Jared and Shay are most likely going to see effects from Florence. And then after that, where it goes, um, we just don't know yet. And we don't know those, those uh, factors that's going to, to be in place over Western North Carolina and Central North Carolina and the, uh, the Midlands and upstate of South Carolina. So with that, uh, I know you guys have been monitoring uh, our, our question feed here. So, uh, any questions that kind of uh, jump out to you all that, that, that we can answer? Um, I know a lot of your questions are about specific areas, and we hope that we are able to answer them for you. Uh, there's a lot of questions about should I evacuate, should I not? My advice to you is to contact your local emergency management office, especially if you live along the coast. 
Uh, but with that, do you guys have you guys seen anything that, that kind of just jumps out at you? Yeah, I've had uh, questions throughout the day of um, you know, folks asking about uh, what what I keep seeing negative tide, and I want to kind of differentiate negative tide with negative storm surge, and um, and not to be a, a, a correction police or anything, but negative tide is when anything's below zero, I mean low water mark, uh, and we see that on full moons and new moons when the tide goes out further and is below zero. I remember going to Breach Inlet and seeing five or six standing waves out there. It looked like a, a water, like the rapids. There was just so much water coming out. These waves were about six to eight feet high. They're just sitting there. And it was the, uh, the most incredible thing I've ever seen through that spit. And that was going on through all the spits nearby, especially to the north. Uh, but I'll go ahead and share a screen because we, we, we want to look at some of this information. And this, and this is the uh, uh, ET surge map right here. And, and so since the hurricane watches have been issued and we... is the black line is the forecast line. The blue line is the regular tide intervals that we would see in a normal tide graph. And you can see how far off this skews, even Saturday. Storm surges for those folks who may not totally understand what that is. Sure, so storm surge, let me go ahead and uh, share the screen here. Uh, what we're talking about is a body of water that is, is pushed out ahead of a storm. And it depends on the category storm of the hurricane. So when we get to major status at category three, we're looking at a nine to 12 foot storm surge. And that was showing in the NHC inundation maps earlier, plus nine feet. Uh, category four can carry up to 13 to 18 feet. We saw that here with Hugo. In fact, it's Highway 17 North leading out of Mount Pleasant. Uh, far enough north towards Ondaw, you can see mud caked on the trees about six to eight feet high. And the entire highway was completely underwater at, at that depth. So, um, you know, the storm surge is basically, you have this, this giant, uh, you, this giant hurricane that's moving a large body of water into the coastline out ahead of it. There's so much energy wrapped around the swell heights are increased and the, and there's, it's not just about waves, but just an entire body of water moving into the coastline all at one time. And so if the storm is coming in pretty quick, like we had with Katrina, it moved a lot of water into the coast. Uh, this one looks to slow down a little bit. So these storm surge heights may come down somewhat, but that's what the numbers are all about right there. Nine to 12 feet at a category three. That's sort of what the NHC is alluding to at this point. Uh, so that that's that's pretty much it. Some, and I wouldn't say the faster the storm, the higher the surge either. And the slower the storm, uh, maybe a little bit less surge as well. It, it really takes sort of a, a medium there to get the full brunt of the surge to move into the coastline. It has to be going the right speed to get the maximum surge potential to go into the coast. So there's there's a little bit of science behind that as well. But that that's the basic understanding is that it's a it's a large body of water being pushed ahead by the storm as it kicks up swells ahead of it into the coastline. All right, thank you for that, Shay. I've got one more question, just because this question I've seen has got so many likes on it. Um, <laughs> and it's a question I don't even know if you guys want to answer or go into, but Daniel Hessen asked, if the panelists could pick one model to go with for now, which one would it be? Oh. <laughs> Anybody want to uh. take it? I tell it. you what, I tell you what, I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to go with the NAM three because it stops short at 60 hours until the next run. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> if Shay's going to do the NAM three, I'm going to go with the her because this is about 18 hours. Oh, you got me. You got you. You <laughs> undercut me. Wait, this isn't the price is right now. I mean, come on. I'm going to DJX. They stopped it six months ago. <laughs> uh, so there you go, Daniel. We're not, we're not giving any favorites here. Uh, I will say historically, uh, 
the European is, is pretty spot on, but it's not really done too well with this storm. Um, but it is a little bit, maybe uh, a little bit of relief to all of us that they're kind of showing the same thing now. And um, maybe we can just go from that and see, um, see what happens. So uh, we have closed in and just passed the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Jared, I'm going to bring you in to kind of give us our latest uh, update from the hurricane center and uh, we'll have the next advisory coming out at the top of the hour and then uh, we'll kind of transition to uh, to ending the show yep scotty just to recap for everybody thank you for watching this evening it's been a great show um been fantastic to have everybody in 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 in, in by the way, what I'm what I'm showing you here, this is this is what you need to use to make decisions. Don't you know? There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people asking about the euro and and the GFS. Oh my God, the GFS is doing this. The euro is doing that. Don't really focus on that. Um, those are raw materials for us to put this together for you. So um, stick with these guys, Hurricane Center. They are very good at what they do. And so to get into that again, we're gonna get a new track and forecast uh, intensity forecast here in about an hour. Less than an hour, but as of eight o'clock, uh, Florence has a uh, 140 mile an hour maximum sustained winds. It was moving west northwest at 17 miles per hour, and uh, still, as of this advisory, was uh, going to hone in on roughly uh, anywhere between roughly Georgetown um, or the Outer Banks. Uh, anywhere in there is uh, probably is statistically likely to have uh, some problems with the center. This track could shift. We've seen some things in the models today, but again, everybody along the Carolina coast needs to be getting ready and, and inland for that matter, needs to be getting ready for a possible uh, hurricane strike and then a storm pumping the brakes, slowing down, hanging around for a couple of days, uh, dumping a ton of rain. So again, everybody, we need uh, just to, uh, you know, be careful here. We've got hurricane warnings uh, out from uh, South Santee river all the way up. Um, into the top of the Outer Banks at this point, to the north part of the Outer Banks, and then uh, hurricane watches around that, uh, including the Charleston, South Carolina metro area. So, um, and storm surge watches and warnings are out for those areas as well. So, again, storm surge uh, certainly a concern that we're going to need to keep an eye on. So, again, check back with us at 11. We'll have it on uh, all of our Carolina Weather Group social platforms, the new advisory. So, Scotty, back to you. All right, thank you for that, Jared. Um, as we go forward now, uh, we plan to continue to get, bring you coverage uh, throughout the event. We'll be uh, streaming press conferences uh, from state officials, from local and county uh, government officials. Uh, we'll also hopefully be doing more of these. Uh, tomorrow night, I'll be honest with you, we've kind of talked about this kind of night. I think we still have a show scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, there's been so much going on. I, I don't know the status update on that yet. Uh, but we'll definitely, if we're going to have a show, if we're not going to have a show, uh, we'll put that on our social media platforms. But look for uh, updates throughout the rest of the week, and especially as Florence moves uh, towards uh, the coastline, we'll definitely be updating. I know Shay is going to be doing updates on his uh, meteorologist page. Uh, as it seems like, Shay, you do it like every hurricane uh, advisory that comes out, you're, you're covering that. So uh, we'll be streaming that on our platform, and then... We're also going to have uh, Chris out in the field. He's going to be stationed along the South Carolina coast. Chris, uh, do you want to kind of tell us what's, uh, what do you have in, uh, in uh, an idea of what you're going to be doing for the next few days? Oh, yeah, Scotty. Uh, so next few days, long days. <laughs> Looking forward to them. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, me and Ricky were talking earlier. Ricky Matthews, who also joins us here on the Carolina Weather Group. But uh, we were talking earlier, and uh, he, he's going to – 
uh, try to join me if you can, you know, see what our time constraints are like. And uh, from there, uh, go down toward, uh, I guess, the uh, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach area and really scout the area. And I got some local contacts in there I'm going to be you know, providing some updates with and things of that nature. You know, we, what we want to really do is be able to provide our viewers with, uh, you know, content as, you know, as the storm approaches, gets going, and, and you know, a first look at after the storm, uh, I guess, kind of winds down along the coast. You know, once that's over, uh, you know, come back home because uh, there's, you know, where this storm makes landfall, it's going to be a, a, a uh, I don't lost my camera here. It's going to be a big, big event. So that's that's important. Definitely. So, Chris, we uh, we know that you will be um, that you'll be out there. So we're uh, happy that you're going to be providing this coverage, and uh, we're going to keep all of you folks up to date. Uh, anybody have any closing thoughts? I'm getting the uh, "Let's go, Scotty" a text from our executive producer James Byerton. So, anybody else have any closing thoughts? One closing thought for me, and that is, uh, don't think that that forecast track. That forecast cone that you see is exact. It is subject to change. I wouldn't be surprised if we wake up tomorrow and find that the hurricane warnings have extended further south than what it's showing right now. That may not happen. It may happen, but don't be surprised if it does. Uh, make sure that you you keep an open mind to that. The fact that there's a high amount of uncertainty as this nears the land. And back to you, Scotty. All right, thank you for that, Shay. So uh, bear with, stick with us here at the Carolina Weather Group. We're going to keep you updated throughout this on all of our social media uh, platforms. We'll be doing more videos and more live updates uh, for our panelists, uh, James Briarton, or for uh, Jared Smith, uh, Chris Jackson, and Shay Gibson. I'm Scotty Powell for our executive producer, James Briarton. Uh, we hope that you all stay safe out there. If you're on the coastline, we hope that you. Uh, uh, that you evacuate at least tomorrow and uh, just stay out of the path of this storm. And we'll be here to give you updates uh, throughout the rest of the week. So you guys have a great night. Stick around for more updates. And uh, as always, we welcome your questions. Even when we're not doing these live broadcasts, we'll try to get to as many as we can. I'm meteor uh, meteorologist Scotty Powell here for the Carolina Weather Group. We hope you have a great night and we'll talk to you later.